There we are. This is a bit better, isn't it? Ah, excellent. Good job. Ah, thanks everyone for bearing with us this morning as we do a few different jobs differently, but that's, uh, that's great. Um, and it's been a, it's, it's a big weekend for us at Kawana Life, and um, I just want to um, shout out once again to all those people who've been praying, and I hope you've enjoyed the nightly devotions we've been doing. So I thought this morning... Um, We'll talk about prayer a little bit more, shall we? Is, is that okay? Since this is like a, a theme for us. And uh, um, so let's, uh, let's do that. And uh, recently I, I saw an advertisement for a church online. And, and one of their things was, you know, to try and get you to connect with them, was, you know, you to learn how to, pr- learn how to pray to get results. That was their thing. You got to come, come along to our church online and learn how to pray prayers that get results. That's what we want, right? We want prayers to get results. We don't want prayers to, like, you know, do nothing. We want prayers to do something. We want God to come in power. We want God to fix that. We want God to restore that. They want God to make me feel better. We want God to, you know, change that person over there, whatever it might be. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting God to act. And often the things we pray about, they're good things, right? You know what I mean? God, please give me patience. God, please help this, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But, there's also a risk that sometimes we can treat God like a supernatural Santa Claus. And if we're good boys and girls and we ask nicely, he will listen to our prayers and our prayers will get results. Um, when Jesus talks about prayer, he doesn't sound like a supernatural Santa Claus at all when he talks about that kind of stuff. In fact, you know who I think about when I, when I see what Jesus says about prayer? Um, I think about Mr. Squiggle. Now, some of you don't know who Mr. Squiggle is, and that's okay. That's okay, because, you know, not everyone grew up in the correct generation, and so we offer you grace this morning. But I want to show you who Mr. Squiggle is, okay? So here's, here's Mr. Squiggle. He's going to be on the screen. He's a, he's a cool guy. Uh, yeah, well, that, well, well, just wait, just, just wait there, Roy. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Here he is. So, Mr. Squiggle is the, It's not the, the blackboard sort of fellow. He's carrying on. Shall we say? Yeah. So, blackboard complains a fair bit, and Mr. Squiggle's the guy on the right. And what happens is, it's a kids' show, right? And the kids would send in like a, a bit of a drawing, as you see there, and then uh, Mr. Squiggle would then. Um, complete the drawing and make it look something interesting and fun or whatever it might be. And they'd carry on for a bit and Mr. Squiggle would complain a a while if the the host, um, Miss Jane, wouldn't hold his hand. Always have to hold his hand. And um, he would draw a thing. And and so what what would, was one of the things that Mr. Squiggle would always ask for? Does anyone remember? What would he always say? That's right. Upside down, Miss Jane. Upside down, Miss Jane. Because what he would do, he'd actually like draw the picture, right? And then he'd actually draw it upside down. And then at the end, it's the big reveal when the, the, the host actually, Miss Jane, actually has to turn it around so you can see what he's actually drawing. So upside down, Miss Jane, is what Mr. Squig would always do. He'd always draw his stuff upside down and then he'd turn it over and then look, it's a pig with a donut earring. Excellent. A donut for an Good job, Mr. Squiggle. Isn't that excellent? Do you know why it was always upside down? Because the puppeteer. So, Mr. Squiggle, I found out later in life, it was like a really terrible moment for me. When I realized Mr. Squiggle wasn't real, he's just a puppet, right? 
And there's a person up there above his head. He's a marionette, right? And he's controlling him stuff. And he's, the reason why he's got such a pointy hat is that there's a handle on top of his hat. And there's a guy there above it. And he's actually looking down. He's drawing with the pencil nose. And uh, yeah, so there we go. And so everything always had to be upside down. Anyway, thanks, uh, thanks crew. That's, uh, that's cool. Upside down, Miss Jane. That's what Jesus said often, what the kingdom of God was like, what prayer was like. He says upside down. When Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, he was telling people they often had it all upside down. To a culture that said, you know, the wealthy and powerful were the most important, he said the vulnerable were most important. To a culture that said being the best and the first is the most important, he said the last will be first and the first will be last. And when he taught about prayer, he uses a parable to show what people thought about prayer was upside down. And too often, I think we can be like Blackboard, if from a Blackboard, uh, with our prayers. Roy, what did he say? Hurry. Hurry up. Too much we're like Blackboard and not realizing God is upside down with the way Um, Well, we are upside down the way we think about prayer. So we're going to read from Luke's gospel this morning. It's uh, Luke 18, so turn your Bibles there. And this is one of Jesus' teaching on prayer. And it's the the parable of of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So if you want to follow along, if not, um, it'll be on the screen and that'll be cool. So this is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. And we're starting from verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, like robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In this parable, Jesus is telling uh, a parable about the kingdom of God being upside down. And it's no coincidence that, you know, immediately after this parable, if you look on, uh, the very next thing he does in Luke's gospel, he's, he, he goes and lives this out. Um, it, the next section, he's demonstrating the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God because he's welcoming these children to come and be blessed and ignoring all the um, old men, Jewish guys, who are very important, if you know what I mean. Like Jesus straight up shows, yes, these, these, the least of these are actually the most important here of the kingdom. And that's a, you know, <laughs> such a great example for us to follow, really. If you're going to say something, then practice it straight away afterwards. But let's go through these verses together, shall we? Verse 10, you know, two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisees, you know, they're very religious dudes. They are, they are dotting all the I's and crossing all their T's and even dotting all their J's when it comes to their religion. They lived the life of holy discipline, you know, they, they would tithe, they would pray, they would fast, they would go through a complicated washing practices all the time to make sure that they would be as clean as possible before God. If you had a question about how to live right, 
you, you'd go and see a Pharisee and ask them about it. They were the most respected, most important, most holy people of the day. They would spend their lives studying God's word and everyone looked up to these people. You know, they were the good guys. And the tax collectors, well, they're a bit different. Uh, in Australia here, uh, we don't particularly like paying taxes. Uh, we don't really like the ATO. But, you know, we do have an elective government, which means we can keep them accountable somewhat. Um, and they do spend tax dollars sometimes on things that we like, like the, the Bruce car park, you know, is slowly starting to re resemble a highway in some places, so that's good. Uh, apparently, they're going to give us a heavy rail line for the Olympics. We'll see. Um, and my bins still get collected uh, every Monday when I remember to put them out, so my taxes are doing some things. But in Jesus' day, you know, you didn't pay taxes to your countrymen. You paid taxes to Rome, the occupying army. And your taxes, they would help the Romans pay for more soldiers to come and oppress your people. And here's where it gets really awkward, you know what I mean? The, the, the people that the Romans used to collect taxes, they weren't Romans. <laughs> they were the local people. They were Jews. So these tax collectors, they were traitors to the Jewish people. They were collaborators with Rome. They were enablers of Rome. They were the scum of the earth. They were hated by the locals even more than the New South Wales team were hated in Queensland on Wednesday night this week when we beat them. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and it's really hard actually trying to find a good example of what it would have been like um, and how much these guys would have been hated. Um, I'm going to give a go, uh, which is not a football-related one. Right now, you know, there's a war going on in in Ukraine, and, and Russia has invaded parts of Ukraine and, and, and captured parts of Ukraine. And in these captured areas, you know, they're starting to set up, you know, governors and mayors to run different parts of the country that they have um, that they've captured. And what they're trying to do is, is, is run those parts of the country the Russian way. They're, they're changing things to Russian money. They're changing languages to the Russian language and, and all that kind of stuff. And the people, the Russians, that are getting to do this dirty work are Ukrainians. Now, how do you think the rest of Ukraine feels about these Ukrainians who live in these captured areas who are basically selling out to the Russians? You know, they're, 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 they're getting paid by the Russians to turn parts of their beloved Ukraine into Russia. I mean, they're turncoats. Right? They're, they're traitors. They, I imagine they'll be amongst the most hated people in the world right now. And that's how people in Jesus' day felt about these tax collectors. In first century Jewish literature, uh, tax collectors are described as robbers, as deviants, as traitors. And whenever they entered a house, it made the entire house unclean before God. The, the Roman historian Dio went so far to put them in the same category as brothel keepers. So th these are... Terrible, terrible people. So the two people that Jesus uses in this parable, they are polar opposites. The Pharisee had the highest status of anyone in the first century, and the tax collector had the lowest status. And Jesus' uh, Jesus's listeners, they think they know where Jesus is heading on this, right? Oh, the Pharisee is going to be the good guy, and the tax collector is going to be the bad guy. Let's read verse 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people like robbers, evildoers, adulterers, 
or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So firstly, his manner. What did he do? He stood by himself. And the area would have been, would have been a lot of people around, if you know what I mean. So he would have had to go somewhere to stand apart from people because um, he didn't want to, you know, get um, uh, accidentally touch someone and become unclean. Um, he probably ended up being at the front of where all the people were, standing by himself up the front. And... Uh, what is his prayer like? Well, he starts, well, he starts with a thank you. That's, that's, that's good, right? Because we start by thanking God for what he has done. Um, but then instead of, you know, getting in a good way, he just dissolves into self-righteousness. He makes it very clear to everybody that how holy he actually is. And I think the important thing to remember here is in these days, people didn't pray quietly to themselves or didn't even read quietly to themselves in the in the first century people would always read out loud and pray out loud so he's doing this out loud he's announcing this to people uh he he's in the bible it doesn't actually say that he's required to fast twice a week um he's not required to tithe everything as he says he does but he's telling everyone how good i am and sorry dan i'm going to use you here uh, dan and jordan came here last night to pray Good job, fellas. They're required to pray for an hour. They were here for an hour and a half. Wow, you guys are awesome. But, you know, the Pharisee here, he's doing the same. He's like, oh, look how good I am. Um, not what it's about. I'm not having to go at you, Dan, by the way. I was just using you because you said that earlier. And Oh, you muted me. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so this Pharisee guy, he's standing at the front of all the people, and he's essentially showing off. Uh, they would have had these unwashed people would have very little chance to get good at a good look at a truly righteous person, and he is graciously offering them a few words of you know judgment along with him instruction in righteousness. And people listening in Jesus's parable, they might have been thinking, well, you know, he is a Pharisee. I mean, he's a bit full of himself, but he's still doing the right thing, right? But then Jesus tells the story of the tax collector's prayer. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So he, he stood at a distance. He's, he's up the back. You know what I mean? He, he's not making a scene. He's, he's found himself a corner away from, every, uh, away from where all the focus is, if you know what I mean. And he doesn't even look up to heaven he realizes his position before God and he goes and he takes a posture of humility and shame. And it says he, he beats his chest. And the only other time we see this in the whole New Testament of someone you know, beating their chest of their anguish is when Jesus is dying on the cross. And so this is actually a real sign of, of anguish and, and, and shame. He's, he's actually really feeling this. And his prayer is simple. It's, it's pure repentance and a request for mercy. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He knows he doesn't deserve it. He knows all he can do is rely on the grace of God. He knows he is not good enough. And Jesus' listeners may well have been thinking, well, and so he should ask for repentance. He doesn't deserve any from, anything from God. He's a rotten tax collector. And then Jesus gives the upside down part of this parable. Verse 14. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, 
went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that would have been a shocking thing to say. Uh, The tax collector over the Pharisee, the unwashed, dirty Roman slave dog, his prayer was answered. And the Pharisee was not justified by God. What? Jesus says, yes. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. Just like you know, Mr. Squiggle earlier, the values of the kingdom are upside-down compared to the values of this world. This world values the successful, the rich, the powerful, those who have it all together. The kingdom puts these people last and puts the poor, the failures, the dropouts, the vulnerable, the homeless first. It's an upside-down kingdom. And we know this because Jesus uh, did this himself. He demonstrated what this is like. Uh, Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to serve, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He put himself humbly below all others. And then, in order to save us, he took the position of a criminal and died on a criminal's cross even though he had done nothing wrong. He served us. He died our death so that we might live. And now he's raised, and because of his great sacrifice, we can have new life with him. So if we want to pray prayers that get results today, I think we need to obey the words of Jesus and take the leaf out of the tax collector's book and pray humble prayers of repentance. Um. Before we close out this morning, I want to show you something really cool that's happening here um, in the text that we read this morning, which is not that obvious for us as modern readers, but it's, um, yeah, we, if you look through ancient eyes, it uh, uh, shows up a bit. Um, the biblical writers, they threw a lot of poetic structures into their writing, and um, one of the things that they used is a thing called a chiasm, and it actually highlights the main part of this thing, and the thing that they don't want you to miss. And these things are actually really common uh, in the Bible. And I'll, I'll show you something from John 4. Um, if we have the next slide. Yeah, so what happens is the first line and the bottom line sort of match. And then the second last line and the second line match. And the big idea is the one in the middle. So here we see true worshippers worship the Father in spirit of truth. Matches with must worship in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks matches with his worshippers and the middle part is like the key bit god is spirit so in that ver- in that section god is spirit is the key thing uh just to give you another example mark 2 27 it's a you know really really short one uh sabbath made for man you, you get the picture right this is actually works like a mirror and the middle pit is the there's the important bit so what we've been having a look at this morning it's actually one of these things so can i grab the next slide please and it actually shows what's actually happening here, the, the whole section that we're looking at this morning. It starts with two men going up to the temple and ends with two men uh, coming down. And either side of that is the manner and the prayer that each man actually prayed. And then in the middle, the big idea, <laughs> the thing that the, the author really wants you to get across here is the Pharisee's self-righteousness, the way he puffed himself up. That's the flaw here. That's why his prayer was not answered. 
this prayer is not going to be uh, listened to by God. That attitude, that opinion puts you outside the kingdom. Instead, the prayers that get results are the ones of humble repentance. If you pray the prayer each day, this prayer each day, you know, you'll always be answered, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because we all are. (laughs) We are all sinners. And we need to ask for God's mercy each day that his blood shed on the cross would cover our sin so that each of us, even though we have done wrong, just like that tax collector, we might go home justified before God. We need to pray this prayer each and every day. Uh, Isaiah 42.3 says, and I love this, A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So if you feel like the tax collector this morning, if you feel like a bit of a bruised reed or a smoldering wick, if you're feeling like you're not good enough, that you can't do it by yourself, that you need God just to make, make it by, then good. Just like Oakland is completely dependent on his parents for everything, we need to daily recognize our need for God and daily pray prayers of repentance, prayers that get results 100% of the time. So this morning, it's my prayer that we all be humbled. We recognize our need for God and that we say to God, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And if you've never done this before, it's a great morning to do this, to say, Jesus, I, 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 to, declare, to, to declare your need to, to have God in your life and invite Jesus in and get him to transform you. Because the words of Jesus are this, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your teaching on prayer and thank you that it is upside down, is not the way that we would expect. And so, God, we, we want to echo those prayers this morning of the tax collector who said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because we are sinners, God, and we're in need of your grace. And I thank you, God, that you know, if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just, and you will forgive us. And so thank you for that assurance that we have, that uh, we can pray this prayer and it be answered 100% of the time and get results, God. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I just want to pray, God, that this week, may we see uh, ways to, uh, like Jesus did, live out this upside-down kingdom that you have us part of. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to serve others. Help us to look out for those who need a taste of your grace and help us to partner with you in seeing that happen. So thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for this reminder to humbly seek you. And uh, yeah, I just want to pray that as we continue to um, be church together, may we serve each other as you served us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Cindy and team.